0: Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson and this week I'm continuing my mini-series on the many flavors of fascism, uh, talking about the different taxonomies and categories of fascism that commentators, political actors, and fascists themselves have used. This week, I'm talking about something that I've actually gotten a fair number of questions about, you know, people wanting to understand the origins of this term and to think about what its possible uses are. Um, it, this term is Islamofascism. Now, if you are from the United States or from the Western world or probably from the Muslim world of the Middle East in general, you have definitely heard this term as an insult, as a pejorative term that is used essentially to describe anybody who is Muslim, uh, in order to justify extreme state political violence. Uh, that is the context in which I am talking about this term, not as a category of analysis that people who study fascism use because they sort of really don't. Um, but as a term that is used in a racist context in order to discuss different movements. Um, The other thing I want to specify for this episode is that uh, if you hear any errant noises, uh, it's because there's construction going on next door. Uh, Because of my schedule, I can't wait for them to be done. I would be kind of pissed off, except that they're installing solar panels. So, you know, it's kind of a wash. Uh, I got to be like, hey, good. All right. So, returning to our subject at hand. The term Islamofascism, the the earliest known use of the term is from the 1930s, uh, a Dr. Hussein who was born in the British Raj, uh, that is the British imperial control of South Asia. Dr. Hussein used the term Islamofascism as a reference to the attempts to form an independent Pakistan uh, as part of, you know, like uh, anti-colonial decolonization efforts. So, the term was originated, originally used by a, apparently a Muslim scholar who was in opposition to the idea of splitting up India and Pakistan, although this same person would eventually immigrate from what had become India to Pakistan in order to escape sectarian violence there. Later, in the 1960s, uh, there was an offhand denunciation of Muslim nationalist organizations like the Muslim Brotherhood and others who were engaged in terrorism that there was another appearance of this term. the term was used every once in a while throughout the rest of the 20th century uh, to describe various authoritarian states that were ruled by Muslim leaders. Um, although, as uh, we should know from the contents of this podcast, being a nationalist and being right-wing does not necessarily make one a fascist. Fascism is different from authoritarianism. It's different from the right-wing in particular, like just you know, it, it's not just like, oh, all when people are fascists, and it's very different from somebody who is just a conservative. Uh, there's something complicated and particular about what fascism is. As a term, however, Islamofascism became a major component of racial disparagement and um, racist statescraft on the part of the United States after the September 11th terrorist attacks. Now, uh, these attacks were carried out by a paramilitary organization known as Al-Qaeda, which was a sort of uh, Islamic nationalist right-wing terrorist organization that was trying to prevent the United States or any other Western power from intervening in the Middle East. That was their goal. And so the United States, uh, up to and including the president of the United States, George W. Bush, came to use the term essentially officially, like they would use it in official speeches that the president was giving uh, to describe the enemies of the United States. Uh, So this meant that like any Muslim person, any Muslim movement, any Muslim government, or any government whose, you know, people were predominantly Muslim would be described as Islamofascist. Uh, This was, you know, Using the word fascist in much the same way that Putin is using the word fascist to describe Ukraine, uh, using fascism just as like a way to make people hate something, uh, as a way to say that something is bad or wrong or dangerous. Eventually, especially on the right wing, Islamofascism came to be a term to describe everybody who practiced Islam as a religion and everyone who lived in the Middle East. Uh, kind of, whether or not they were actually practicing Muslims. Like, you know, it didn't matter if the person was uh, essentially secular or an entirely secular government, like the, you know, officially secular Ba'athist party in Iraq. You know, they were still Islamofascist because they came from a Muslim civilization. And that is the key point here. Islamofascism, as a term, comes from Christian nationalism, essentially. Uh, it comes from a uh, you know a desire to differentiate Christianity from Islam and to say that like um, there's something wrong with Islam. So the claim is that like Islam itself is fascistic. Islam itself is fascism. That's their claim, and this is something that you found uh, espoused all throughout the political spectrum in the United States uh, during the uh, immediate aftermath of September 11th, and you know up until the right wing in the United States became, uh, the main, um, scary component of the right wing in the country. So people as, uh, with this diverse of political ideologies as Christopher Hitchens, or, you know, like a bunch of the other sort of like angry white male atheist types, you know, like, like Richard Dawkins, those sorts of people, um, would say Islamofascism and say that, you know, there's just like something inherently violent about this religion. Uh, this complaint, this perspective, this racist trope, was also echoed on the explicitly racist right wing. So, you know, the the major right-wing talk shows of the 2000s era, for example, Bill O'Reilly would use this term just to refer to people whom he perceived to be the enemies of the United States. This claim that Islam is fascism is racist. Uh, It is the equation of an entire religion and its practices with Uh, a radical, violent nationalist uh, movement aimed at the reconstruction or reinforcement of a national identity, Um, you know, like a radical right response to modernity. That is not what Islam is. It is a varied and diverse religious culture uh, that has thousands of years of history. If by Islamofascism, these people are trying to say like, oh, there are movements which are both Muslim and right-wing, yeah, I mean, you know, every religion has that. Um, that doesn't make it fascism. If they're saying these movements are both Muslim and violent, yeah, you know, also every religion has that too, um, including ones that are officially pacifistic, um, like Buddhism, for example. Um, if they mean this is a Muslim and totalitarian movement, um, again, what civilization is not total? you know, uh, what What civilization or religion or practice or culture doesn't aim at the total control and influence of people and their behavior. Uh, the United States is very much like this. Uh, our society is total in a humanistic sense, you know, in the sense that it is um, uh, coterminous and, you know, contains all of itself, although, you know, we're, we're getting off into like a, a philosophical Hegelian mess here, which is why scholars no longer talk about things, you know, you know, in that sense. People don't use the word totalitarian because it doesn't describe anything. It doesn't mean anything. Note also that other religions, when they have right-wing violent components or right-wing violent paramilitaries or right-wing violent uh, terrorist groups, they do not become, you know, epithet fascism, right? Uh, We don't use the term Hindu fascism to talk about the BJP, even though they are much closer to an actually existing fascist party. We don't say something like, um, you know, Marxo-fascism to describe uh, a terrorist organization like the Tamil Tigers. Uh, Islamo-fascism is a term that is used by Christian nationalists to talk about Muslim nationalists, um, and it is a term used indiscriminately as a racist epithet. Now, this is somewhat separate from a different question about actual right-wing movements that have Islam as a major component. Uh, one example of an arguably Islamic fascist organization was the Young Egypt Party, uh, which was a group of young men in Egypt founded in 1933 in the wake of the fascist fervor in Europe. Uh, in this sense, they were not unlike any other small group of you know, young, disaffected men who are members of whatever majority racial or ethnic or religious group was predominant in their area, uh, who wanted to rebuild and remake their nation through violence and, you know, masculine power, right? That's pretty standard. Um, it doesn't really make them that different from any of the extremely Christian forms of nationalism that I talked about in the previous episode on, you know, clerical fascism. The other possible contenders for, you know, if we want to talk about some form of Islamic fascism would be potentially, you know, the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, However, this also is an extremely complicated case, and I do not claim to be an expert in it. Um, I am an expert in fascism, uh, not uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, so uh, bear with me here. Uh, Iran is a theocratic republic, you know, it's not a fascist dictatorship. Uh, It has two executive systems. One is a democratic republic with elections uh, essentially about as free as, you know, most elections are. You know, there's meddling sometimes, uh, people fuck around sometimes, but it's not a dictatorship. You know, there are contested elections, there are groups of people who lose and groups of people who win. The other branch of the executive in Iran, though, is a theocracy run by a, you know, an established group of men who are priests right these are imams the Islamic Republic was founded after the fallout of the Iranian Revolution uh, which uh, like most revolutions began as a sort of incohate series of popular uprisings with no clear indication about exactly what would come afterwards and there were power struggles between the left and the right you know there were there were people who wanted to form a, a more explicitly socialist Iran in the wake of the fall of the Shah's monarchy, which was, you know, technically a constitutional monarchy, but was uh, much more absolute and dictatorial in its sense. Uh, The Islamic Republic has paramilitary elements. You know, uh, the uh, Revolutionary Guard is a major political slash armed forces slash business cooperative, you know, entity. Uh, It has a complex relationship to modernity. That is the republic itself, uh, which is to say, you know, it is a modern state but it is also a theocracy that aims at something like the reconstruction of the past. It is nationalist, but doesn't have the same drive to like completely remake its society into something entirely new. Instead, it's a little bit more of a revanchist attempt at uh, recreating the grandeur of an Islamic Iran after the secular government of the Shah. Uh, it is an anti-colonial government uh, that promoted a third way between communism and, uh, capitalism during the cold war, uh, talking about a third way. That is a pretty fascist thing to say. Um, however, uh, the non-aligned movement was a major thing that was happening during the cold war. Uh, these were, um, sort of secondary or tertiary powers, like for example, Iran or Yugoslavia that were trying to, uh, Be sort of go betweens or at least allies of neither the United States nor the Soviet Union. So, what this means is that Iran has some of the components that make up a fascist government or a fascist movement, but it doesn't really have the key one, which is uh, the desire to remake uh, the world into a new modern radical system, right? It's, it's more about the maintenance of the old. It is more fundamentally conservative. Uh, another example that people ask me about and talk about is the Taliban. Uh, similarly, the Taliban is a paramilitary organization that has now seized state power in Afghanistan as it had before prior to the United States' invasion of Afghanistan. It's clearly a right-wing movement. It's clearly nationalist. It's clearly oppressive. It's clearly violent, However, uh, it is also more about attempting to turn back the clock than about, you know, making radical new men commensurate to the new modern age, uh, which is what fascism is all about. Fascism is about a response to modernity that accepts parts of modernity and says, yes, we can turn this to our advantage and create a, 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 you know, a new, beastly, fast, powerful world, as opposed to, you know... Uh, what we really want is to, you know, go back in time to the Middle Ages or to some imagined past uh, where everything was hunky-dory and everybody accepted their social roles perfectly. Um, this is an extremely complicated case. Um, like I said, I don't claim to be an expert here. Uh, if you want to hear more ruminations about this, let me know, and I might try to talk to an expert about it. All right. That was 15 minutes of fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you really like the podcast, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism, all one word. You can also uh, reach me on Gmail at 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H I S T of the right. And on fascism 15 at Twitter. All right. Thanks very much. And I will talk to you next week.